episode 118 of the see us show it's your boy i'm back i hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode 117 and just to rehash with you guys that was with terrence whaley the co-founder the owner of barter which is a black owned um sneaker trading app as well too it's going to hit store september 1st so you guys definitely go to the app store try out the uh beta trial and after that Give them some feedback and just get ready to get ready to rock and roll with that as well, too. So we had some great content to talk about, you know, his top five J's, why he got into barter, updates on the app. And then we just had, you know, a couple topics to talk about, Katie Saga and much, much more. So hope you guys enjoyed that. Like I said, subscribe on all channels, YouTube, um, Instagram. We have Spotify. We have um, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff as well, too. So this week we're going to keep it the same, but with a new guest as well, too. So this guy. Um, I actually met him during the playoffs, and we met at this one spot in K-Town, if I remember correctly. It was called Lace's Shoe Bar. Um, so I, I, I just, like, we're, like, in the, we're, like, we're like in this group chat, and some dude gets added, and he's like, hey, I'm Grayson. I was like, who the fuck is Grayson? Um, and then he pulls up. I'm like, yo, I thought I was the tallest person, because no matter where I go, I'm always the motherfucking tallest person. So I see this, like, six, seven dude towering over us and whatnot, and I was like, is this Tyrese Halliburton? <laughs> um, but met him. We got to talk. We got to chop it up and whatnot as well, too. Good energy and whatnot. Um, so this guy, uh, you know, former Division One basketball player at, uh, was it Utah State University? Uh, played D1 over there as well, too. And then also he is a co-founder of Next Level 435 AU in training. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for my boy, Grayson more i'm excited to get back it's been a minute since i've done a podcast Mm -hmm. so excited to share something with you guys hopefully you can take something away um share my story a little bit and just talk about hoops oh for sure for sure for sure man so one of the things that kind of stood out to me was i mean obviously you hoop and you're tall as shit but you're 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 one of my only friends that are kind of from i guess would you count utah as like the midwest yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, I'd consider it Midwest. Okay, yeah. cool. Utah's pretty interesting. So for my job, so for my nine to five, I do like some talent sourcing and whatnot. Yeah. So they took us on a retreat to Park City, Utah. Okay. Um, mid mid July. Yeah. So we were there for like four days. Uh, we went to like Olympic Park, um, and then we went to uh, to do like river water rafting and whatnot. Yeah. But like once I landed, first and foremost, you guys, the airport is top tier. I like it. I think it's pretty efficient. It's a little yeah. weird with the whole, like, <laughs> check-in part and yeah, whatnot yeah. when you go through TSA. But other than that, it's pretty big, pretty spacious, doesn't really take too long, and the sights are beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
like I was like, you know, I'm, I'm also into film and whatnot as well, too. I kind of want to, I envision myself like shooting something over there and whatnot as well, yeah. too. So good energy over there. And I made a joke to one of my friends. I was like, I don't really use these dating apps like that, but <laughs> I want to hinge, right? And I was like, let me just be curious and put like a 10 mile radius of, you know, black people that are there, black women that are there. I saw one, <laughs> one black girl. I was going to say you got five. But yeah. <laughs> I saw one. And I hit X and I was like, oh, well, we you have to increase the moderation and whatnot. I was like, oh, okay, right. this is the type of time we on. But other than that, um, I had a great time and whatnot. So my question for you is, I mean, how was it growing up in Utah, man? Yeah, um, something I get asked a lot, you know, when I was going through it, didn't think about it too much. Um, but just kind of, you know, looking back, reflecting on it, you know, it was kind of just when you're kids, you're just kids. Everyone's kids. You've got friends up the street. you got friends who play sports with you. Um, I guess the first time you really noticed anything different was probably like around 12 or 13 years old. Um, showed up for work. I mean, showed up for school the first day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kids are like, hey, where's your ring? And I'm like, you know, what ring? You know, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they're like, oh, these rings on our fingers. You know, we all have them at CTR. And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm confused. I don't know what CTR is. And, you know, now there's eight kids in my class standing around me like, whoa, you don't have one of these? And so come to find out, you know, they're like, what ward are you in? What church do you go to? And I'm like, you know, I go to Baptist church. <laughs> and they're all looking at me like, what is a, what is Baptist church? Um, so long story short, CTR was like, choose the right ring, something they get from like the LDS or the, the Mormon religion there. And that was kind of the first time when to me, you know, I, I was an outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, kind of just after that, once you kind of notice that and you kind of get pinned as the outsider, then you start noticing things, you stop getting invited to things that with people that you thought were your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sports teams, my dad coached us all growing up to yeah. high school. And then, you, you know, then you get in uh, high school and you start realizing like, Hey, Hey, we're having a you know a little get together after the thing, or you hear about it the next day and you're like, Hey, damn, they didn't even get, you know, it didn't get my invite. Uh, so just, you know, kind of just that outsider feeling. And then, you know, once you get to, you know, high school age, it's like, then you're looking around and you start realizing like who you are and you're like, wow, you know, I think I'm maybe one of four people of color in this whole school. Yeah. You know? And that's kind of when it starts to show then. So um, that would be kind of what Utah was. It was just a whole kind of slap in the face for a while, big adjustment. Um, but, you know, just adversity kind of going through that at a young age, different adversity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a safe place to grow up, but just being like really trying to find like your actual friends in high school or just having like everything set out and then it just flips. Um, it's a little different there, but it, you know, it's cool. Yeah. That's, that's something like I really never like sit down and think about just like being biracial and being growing up in a, in a place like that as well too. And just trying to have that sense of belongingness and, and whatnot as well too. But glad that you were you know able to kind of uh, you know defy the odds and you know I, obviously with basketball that's one of the few things that kind of brings people together as well too so that's pretty dope so um do you ever see yourself settling back down there or are you pretty much out of it is, is their family still there yeah so family's still there uh, my mom my dad are there my younger brother so um and then we'll talk about it a little bit but aau and basketball training started that there um so that whole thing is still going on is actually growing um pretty quickly but for me long term man i don't think i could do logan where i'm from northern utah um it's beautiful utah state university is right there but it's such a college town and then you have like so it's like college students and then older people (laughs) you know or people with families and it's like uh man 
if I was going to settle down in Utah, it'd have to be like Salt Lake area mm-hmm. um, or Southern Utah. Interesting. Yeah, but, I want I want I want to visit Salt Lake eventually. Yeah. I heard it, I heard it's nice though. I heard it's nice. It is nice, and it's a uh, it's growing a lot, and it's actually like it's pretty diverse. We've got a big like LGBTQT community there, which is funny mm-hmm. that it's in Utah, right? That's actually like number <laughs> two after San Francisco. Oh wow! Oh yeah, wow! Yeah. Interesting. So. You heard that? If you wanna, if you're part of that group, definitely yeah. go over there. Yeah, take a trip. It's a lot of land. Um, <laughs> so tell me about you know your stint playing D1 at Utah yeah. State University as well too. Yeah. Um, you played some pretty good teams as well. I think one of them that stood out to me was Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you actually played Air Force. My cousin actually played at Air Force too, but he played after you. His name's Purvis Louder. Yeah. Um, he actually stays out here too. You guys need to meet each other. But how was you know playing D1 and whatnot? Tell me about that. Yeah. So my experience is a little different. Um, I was okay, so I'm six seven now. Out of high school, I was maybe like six two. Oh, um, huh. so I grew like five inches after. So, took me a kind of a road to get there. I went junior college for a year, and then uh, Division two at Northwest Nazarene University for two years, and then played just my senior year at Utah State. I was there for three years total. Had to sit out a year. That was back when you, if you transferred, you had to sit out. Oh, I say yeah. like back when, like that was forever ago. It was like five years ago. But there was that rule, so I had to sit out a year, uh, redshirt that year, and then played my senior year. But um, it was cool. It was a biggest thing about it was it was a dream come true for my dad had actually played at Utah State University. Oh, wow. Um, we grew up right there in Logan. So going to all the home games every every game, you know, whether it's negative five degrees outside, it's snowing. We're going to these games um, and just watching that growing up. And it used to be me and my brother just sitting there with my dad. And our goal was like, OK, our dad played here. He's on the Hall of Fame team. Mm-hmm. Me and my brother, like we, we got to get there. We looked at the Morris twins at Kansas and we're like, OK. You know, if they can do it, why can't why can't we do it? Mm-hmm. So, you know, first and foremost, huge childhood goal, and then be able to suit up with my brother at Utah State, uh, that was huge. And then just following kind of the family footsteps too. So just kind of cement the legacy. Uh, my brother was there before me, and so I was like, dang, you know, I gotta <laughs> somehow get back to Utah State. You know, made it happen. So it was it was great. That was dope. That was dope. So what position did you play? Yeah, kind of everything, honestly, jack of all trades. Um, I would say my natural position is more probably like a three. Mm-hmm. Um, three, probably like a two. Um, I was shorter growing up, so I played point guard all through high school. Wow. I was just a shooter. Um, it didn't, it didn't actually happen until I started maturing until like college where I was like, oh, I can shoot. And now I'm growing a little bit. And I also dunk on people too, <laughs> yeah. you know, so that never thought I'd be doing that kind of hit a growth spurt, uh, freshman year in my junior college. And then that's when I realized like, oh, it's like, it's trouble if you jump with me at the room. Like, mm-hmm. And I don't say it like cocky, but it's like okay, people that have played with me know that if you jump with me at the rim, it's probably not good. Damn, that's crazy. That's <laughs> so. crazy. Any any game that you um, remember the most? Yeah. That stands out to you the most? Yeah, uh, New Mexico at New Mexico um, in the pit. Uh, first of all, just their court is really cool. Really well-lit court. And then when you look up from the court up in the stands, you can't see anything. Oh, wow. It's like Staples Center. You know how Staples it's like Center. really bright yeah. and then yeah. dark everywhere? It was like that. And so you're in college. You're like, dang. And fans are going crazy so you can hear them, but you can't see them. Uh, we were just getting absolutely just smashed from the beginning. It was like, I think we took a timeout. It was 23 to 6. <laughs> but I just remember that game I had two putback dunks. Um, so two nasty putback dunks. And it was like the first game I started at the two. Yeah. Before that, my coach was like, trying to play me at like a four or five uh, which super undersized for five uh for the four i could shoot but yeah. you know it was not a, i'm not a four either um and so he started me at the two he's like hey you can actually defend that position shoot and handle the ball and i'm like yeah that's what i've done forever but <laughs> it took him a little bit to catch on but started there had a couple putback dunks um just played a good game overall i think i had 10 and 10 so it was 
double double right there. Okay, cool. So for anyone that's you know in middle school or in high school right now, and you know has dreams of try- trying to get to that next level, what's your message for them? Man, just work, just work. Uh, you know, we started a basketball training thing, and the biggest thing we realized is a lot of guys want to play college basketball or say they want to play college basketball. And then we're over here, and we got training with them, you know, once, twice a week, and we can't get them in the gym for those two times a week trainings. Um, you know, especially now, game skill level's gone crazy in the last five years, too. It's like if you're not in the gym every day, at least doing something every day, it's something. like, hey, there's such things as rest days, but those rest days should just be 1,000 jump shots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ball handling, stuff like that. And I just think the biggest thing that separates people now is, is work. Uh-huh. And what people don't realize is too is like putting that work in in the gym when no one's there allows you to obviously shine in the games people say it all the time but people think hey I just, i'm a game player it's like okay that might work for you through high school once you get to college you know you're gonna get slapped in the face because these guys are better these guys are better than you you're going in as a freshman they're all better than you or yeah. no more than you you know it's crazy because i feel like you had some of an advantage right because i feel like your dad built the structure for you early on as well too yeah. so when you're a kid, you're a sponge, so you're soaking all that in. So I feel like it's second nature for you not only to put that time, energy, and effort into not only basketball growing up, but just with anything you you kind of want to do in your life as well, too. Yeah, yeah, that, no, that was huge. Um, my dad was a little older when he had us as kids, so we didn't get a chance to watch him play growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, wish we did, but from a young age, it was just like, hey, whatever you guys want. Like He was like, I don't care if it's basketball. I don't care if it's a musical instrument, just school and your career. Like, you just got to work your ass off at it. And he was like, he's like, I'm not sure coding it. You know, it is what it is. If you guys tell me you want to be great at something, I'm going to push you. Mm-hmm. And if it's too much, you know, tell me. So Fire. we were lucky with that. You know, you get the dad sometimes it's like overboard with like, I'm going to drill you like you're playing basketball and no choice. You know, my dad was like, hey, whatever you guys want to do, I'm going to push you in that, help you, you know, achieve your potential, um, but try not to be too much. Um, so. Shout out to my dad on that. Shout out, shout out to the father. Yeah, shout out to Jimmy Moore. <laughs> Jimmy, Moore. <laughs> Jimmy Moore. All right, cool. So tell us a little bit about Next Level 435. Okay. I'm so sorry. Next Level 435. You're the co-founder of that. So give us a give us a little summary overview about that. Yeah, so Next Level Basketball, it's, we put 435 just because if you look it up, there's a lot of Next Level stuff. So Next Level 435 is the uh, area code for Logan, Utah. Mm. and Kind of the reason we started that is uh, I kind of started training kids when my brother was playing. I was doing my master's, finishing my master's degree, mm-hmm. and just wanted to be on a court. You know, I was uh, supposed to be a grad assistant, didn't work out that way. So I just started training some high school kids, just working on them with skill work. I was like, hey, you know, I just went from trying to play uh, professionals, working out. So let me be able to hand these kids something. You know, they can be learning this in high school when I didn't learn it until I'm 19. You know, Thanks. that's kind of how it started. Um, but just started training kids there, and then once my brother was done playing basketball, he's got a whole long story too. He, you know, got picked up by the Bucks for a little bit, did a summer league thing and everything. Uh, but he came back, and we were like, "Hey, we both love basketball. We're both from Logan, Utah. Neither of us were like recruited like that. Like we should have been recruited. Didn't have anyone talking to us. Um, how do we help kids that are from Northern Utah, Southern Idaho, this kind of whole area?" get to play college basketball, even if it's a junior college, even Mm -hmm. if it's a D2, D3. There's a lot of kids here that should be playing, you know, college basketball or have the opportunities and get their name out there. They just don't know how. So we were like, hey, we can start training these kids. And then it evolved to we're going to train these kids. And with the training, too, is like detail. You know, we had kids coming in (laughs) mad, like, hey, come back here, do it again. They're like, what do you mean? I just did it. Yeah, but you didn't do it right. Like, Mm -hmm. we're doing it right to the point where at first we had kids mad. You know, But then, you know, 
working with us a couple months they're coming back and they're like hey i had my game on saturday you know i had 20 points or i did this move that we worked on in here and if you wouldn't have made me do it perfect it wouldn't work like, yeah that's why we're you know telling you to do it like that um but yeah started as a training kind of turned into like mentoring we had a couple kids pretty early on that were training with us helped them get placed um, a kid named sam phipps will be at csi um, mm. college of southern idaho so he was kind of a kid that fell on our lap and we saw him hooping for the first time we're like like a baby Giannis like <laughs> he's not that tall he's probably like six 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 seven mm-hmm. long lanky freak athlete when we started working out with him pretty raw but just evolved over the time to where he went from playing his sophomore year no varsity to his junior year playing varsity winning state championship winning MVP of 4A um, so just you know but he's a kid he put that work in you know mm-hmm. so uh, can't take anything away from him he was in the gym uh, there was some times where we're like Sam where you at get yeah. over here you know but he's he made it um, so he just got back from a mission. He's going to go play at CSI this next coming year. But went from training to mentorship. And then eventually we had so many people training with us that were like parents were coming to us like, hey, you guys need to coach teams like our kids want to play for you. You know, there was other options, but they're like, well, no one else is Jalen and Grayson more. Thanks. Uh, so that's kind of how it turned into the AAU approach, too. We were like, you know what, let's let's give it a try. And, you know, I've been in uh, Arizona for the last couple of years before I came out here. So I haven't been able to be as hands-on with the AAU side. I've just kind of helped from afar and kind of helped with structure and stuff like that. Um, But, yeah, my brother and my dad have basically ran the AAU program for two years now. Okay, I was about to ask you. Okay, Two years. And cool thing is second year, going into our second year, we were already sponsored by Next Level. I mean, sorry, New New Balance. New Balance, okay. Yeah, so jerseys are all New Balance. Everyone's got basketball. They all get free New Balance shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, Get those Kawhis. Yeah, yeah, the Kawhis. (laughs) They're they're a good shoe, too. And... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I was surprised. We all got a bunch of New Balance. Me and my brother are rocking New Balance all over now, too. And people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, hey, we're sponsored. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. What do you mean? Exactly. <laughs> Who cares what yeah. any of those things? So what's the age group for them? Uh, yeah, so right now I think it's 13 through 17 year um, mm. for boys and girls. Yeah. And girls teams, the girls teams are slept on there. Okay. They go to tournaments and win. Yeah. Like, and we got a girl on their team right now, um, Marin McKenna. She's uh, looking, everyone's looking at her like San Francisco and stuff. She's another girl who went from no one talking to her, just putting in the work all the time work, yeah. and showing out. Like, I mean, she puts up like 20 point triple doubles and she's going to go play D1 at a high level. So, damn, that's dope. So, you guys heard it here, man. You have to put that time, energy, and effort in, no matter how hard it is. The moments when you're uncomfortable, that's when you have to kind of just force yourself to, to, to just do it as well, too. So, Literally, you have someone who exemplifies that. So, um, that, no, that's awesome, man. So, look in that camera right over there and um, tell us your Instagram and then also uh, the Next Level Instagram as well, too. Okay. Yeah, so my Instagram's at Saygray, which is S-A-Y-Y-G-R-A-Y. And then um, the Instagram for Next Level AAU is at Next Level 435. And that's at Next Level 435. Okay, okay, okay. So, let's get into some of these topics for today. So, um, Oklahoma City Thunder's rookie Chet Holmgren is undergoing tests for a possible right foot injury suffered in a pro AN game that he suffered last week's uh, Saturday in Seattle. Um, I think it was through Jamal Crawford's program as well, too. So there's a quote from a spokesman told um, from ESPN. Chet is in the process of undergoing evaluation. And when we have an update, we will communicate. And basically with Holmgren, who's obviously the number two, number two pick in this, in this year's draft, he suffered an injury early in the crossover pro-am while defending LeBron James on a fast break as well, too. So there's fear that he may be sitting out for the season. Um, my question that I have for you, um, and I didn't even figure out till earlier this day, you guys basically had the same injury. So 
tell us about the injury um, and then tell us about your thoughts on, you know, him in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quick injury overview. Um, I know a lot of people are probably seeing Liz Frank and like, what the hell is that? You know, it's <laughs> a, uh, first of all, it's named Liz Frank after like a French general. Um, oh, wow. I guess how the injury kind of why it's named that is he was riding his horse feet in the stirrups and he, when he fell he tried to hop off of his horse and his foot was stuck in the stirrups so when he turned it like turned his foot so oh, it, like shit. collapses his arch basically um so that was general liz frank that's what wikipedia says so don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't quote me on that it sounds sounds right and it's got the name matches up uh but so that's basically what the injury is a lot of times how it happens is if people get there um if you jump from high and land weird on the toe like on the ball of your foot okay um, and all the all the weight just hits like in a weird spot. Mm-hmm. Um, or what what most commonly happens is if someone gets their foot ran over by a car. So you could imagine like <laughs> you know your arch is here yeah. and it gets <laughs> flattened. Mm-hmm. And it basically what happens is all these tendons in the bottom and that joint where all the um, all the, like your metatarsals, like your foot bones, meet gets flattened in it. So it tears the ligaments under and that joint can have little fractures and stuff happen. There's like 17 bones right in there. So. Uh, <laughs> And I know that a little bit because I was exercise science major, so yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'll nerd out a little bit. But um, what ends up happening is you weaken that joint, so when you step, your arch is collapsing basically, so you can't push off your foot or anything like that. So if you notice in that video, when uh, Chet lands, it kind of just lands normal, but then yeah. he pulls his left leg up or yeah. whichever leg it was, like he's grabbing it, like kind of like a shock, and then he goes to step on it, like to run it off, because it's like a it's a pain, but it's not anything crazy. But then when you go to run. You go to put weight on it and your foot just kind of collapsed. Yeah. I remember the feeling when I did it. I just Oof. did a, yeah, I did a reverse layup, like something I've probably done how many times? And mm-hmm. this is at Utah State. Yeah. Uh, my redshirt year. Just did a reverse layup, made the layup, go to run back down the court and kind of landed weird. Go to run and I'm at half court and I'm like, sub, you know, and I went over to the trainer and he kind of tested my foot and was like, oh man, Oof. this might be a, if this is what I think it is, it's not good. Um, yeah, I got diagnosed as Liz Frank. I had a slight fracture in there too. And, a bunch of the ligaments basically the ligament that goes from your big toe all the way to like your heel kind of like wraps there oh fuck. Um, so you can't you literally can't flex your foot um it's hard to get any flexibility in your toes so yeah you know prayers up for chet it's just it's a rough injury you can do surgery or you can just let it heal naturally um but it's a about a year-long process yeah i was gonna ask you how is that that recovery process and did you do surgery or you let it kind of heal on its own yeah i opted not to do surgery um <laughs> they were like living in utah it's cold it's freezing in the Ooh, winter and they were like if, if you wake up and it's freezing out there your foot's gonna be like stiff it's hard to get it mobile and like get it moving so i had to sit out that year anyways so for me with uh, you know where Chet's lucky he can sit out and get paid, <laughs> but, but I had to sit out that year anyways, and so I was like, hey, let's just do this. Not with surgery. I, I try to opt for no surgery every time I can, um, and just rode it out. It was on the scooter, foot in a you know big boot yeah. for probably three months mm-hmm. um, before I even walked on it. Probably three months. So, and even after that, it was like we get check up. He's like I'm not ready to walk yet. So mm-hmm. it was it was something where I probably didn't run. Probably until seven months after Damn. I did it. So it's a it's a pretty crazy injury. Yeah, so you think for him he's probably going to be out for the entire season. Yeah, and I think that they shouldn't even try to bring him back. Just tank and get a good pick again. <laughs> See, <laughs> I, 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 the thing is they're going to take again. That's just so nasty having, like, 
play like shy there and you're probably gonna get like a top two pick again yeah. but what's that one guy they call him like the next Giannis that's over oh, in France uh, Victor Wembanyama. I want him on the fucking Spurs I, I don't want, I want him, him on the Lakers <laughs> that's impossible <laughs> I don't want him to go to OKC they made jokes like you know how um, David Robinson got injured and then Tim Duncan came the year after yeah. so on Twitter they were having the guy that was talking about from France and Chet basically yeah. winning the championship next year and whatnot as well too but that's gonna be interesting, interesting to see what happens as well too so I kind of wanted to Dive into another question. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on players playing in these leagues um, from like an owner standpoint as well, too? Are you kind of for it? I mean, injuries are a part of the game as well, too. Yeah. And I feel like he's kind of an anomaly. But like, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think it's cool from the standpoint of they're, you know, they're getting in front of fans that probably couldn't see them if they were playing a game. Right. It gives people an opportunity to see them uh, just play the game they love, put on a show for the fans. I mean, everyone loves it. You saw how much social media was blowing up. Like, hey, LeBron's in the Drew League again. You know, that was since the first time since the lockout. So that's that's huge. Um, from an owner standpoint, I guess we can't say owner anymore, right? It's like a governor or something, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but from that standpoint, like a business standpoint, I think uh, it's I think it's scary for them. I mean, obviously they have a clause that says certain ones they can play in. Um, I kind of look at it like as a player, like it's your it's your that's what you do to make money. So like you have to kind of protect yourself too. And the long, the season's long. You just played playoffs for this, you know, some of these guys have been playing all summer, you know, take the time to probably rest your body. It's, I think most people like, Hey, it was cool to see LeBron there, but I think most people would rather have him healthy to play in the regular season for the Lakers rather mm-hmm. than a pro am game. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if I'm an owner, yeah, I'm just going, I'm just going to trust you as well too. Cause like you said, like you, you got players like Giannis and Luca and, and, What's this guy's name? Jokic, who like play for their national team all yeah. year round as well too. So, um, that's a tough one, especially yeah. if it's your top asset. At least from like the transition from being a costume into a rookie year, I kind of hold off on that as well too. Yeah, but it's like you gotta you 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 try to get your runs in. You know, you're working on your moves constantly, so you you want to test all that out. You want to stay in shape. So, like, how do you even kind of go yeah. around that? Yeah, I think that the college to the rookie year jump is every time you jump a level right there's a kind of like a shock mm-hmm. you're like oh crap these guys are good these guys are fast these guys are stronger and then not only do you have that mental shock and like you kind of have to build your body to be able to um withstand that i know when i went from a d2 to even d1 it was like oh i got there at like six seven 185 pounds and they were like what the hell we got to get you to 220 <laughs> so for <laughs> i wish i can get to fucking 185 I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I have the hardest time gaining weight. I'm trying to bulk up right now too, and it's it's rough. But mm-hmm. uh, so what I, what I'm saying with that is, you go into a different type of training. Um, you're trying to let's say Chet Holmgren. You're trying to bulk your body and like build to where you can withstand a whole season. So I think that just kind of going into that new type of training, that new mentality, and all that would be a lot to also then step into this. I think your body would just be a little more vulnerable going into your rookie year. And mm-hmm. you kind of see it a lot. Like Blake Griffin had a big Blake jersey, Griffin, Julius Randle, Ben Simmons. And you see that a lot because these guys went from, first of all, to college, shorter season, but they beat you up. Like, I mean, you were in there with like a three-hour practice, and then you're in a two-hour weight session. And then you might go back for another weight session later, too, like in the data. So, like, NBA, like, that's your job. So, like, everything revolves around basketball. And there's trainers and nutritionists and everything there to help keep you healthy, too. College has that somewhat but you still got to go to school. You still got to. So like, are these kids like really, you know, eating the right stuff, getting the amount of rest they need, getting the recovery they need. And then you just kind of like jump into like something. So, so it's, it's, 
A little bit of transition there. Yeah. Do you see him eventually putting on at least an additional like 15, 20 pounds? I think he's like 180 right now, right? Yeah, I think he has to. I think he will. Um, you know, Brandon Ingram did too eventually. Facts. Uh, Kevin Durant a little bit, you know, since when he came in. They're just skinny builds in general. They're basketball builds, but yeah, they'll they'll get it with age too. Yeah. All right. Well, prayers out to Chet. Um, I really want to see you this year as well too. Hopefully OKC doesn't tank too much as long as I can get that French prospect to the Spurs. That's all that matters. <laughs> Moving on from that, um, obviously you guys heard KD making some breaking news. Obviously he's been making breaking news all summer long when he announced that he wanted to get traded. Twitter atmosphere, all the social media, sports atmosphere, NBA, NBA Twitter, everyone kind of went crazy with that as well too. So apparently the Nets general manager, Sean Marks, the owner, Joe Sy, um, and also Clara Wusai, they all met with KD um, in Los Angeles the other day as well, too. So Marks basically said in a statement, we have agreed to move forward with our partnership. We are focusing on basketball, one collective goal in mind, build a lasting franchise to bring a championship to Brooklyn as well, too. So like I said earlier, KD initially asked for a trade on June 30th and reiterated his desire to meet with Joe Sy in London earlier this month. And sources confirmed to ESPN during the meeting Durant wanted Sy to choose between him and the brain trust of Steve Nash and Sean Marks as well, too. Um, so it looks like Steve Nash is going to stay there. Marks is going to stay there. Um, Kevin Durant has four years left on his contract, making almost 200 milli, which is crazy. Um, but what are your thoughts on, after all this transpiring, now we finally get a, of, a sense of clarity on him staying this year? Yeah, um, Man, I had uh, all the Lakers pipe dreams going between I wanted him or Kyrie, like somehow get him there, uh, you know, help LeBron with another chip and just, you know, we're going to be in a bad spot after LeBron leaves. So uh, from a Lakers standpoint, sad, but just a basketball fan standpoint, I'm, I'm happy that he's staying. Hopefully Kyrie stays at this point and Ben Simmons healthy. I want to see what they look like. You know, since that team with James Harden was there before, everyone's like, hey, what does this look like? And we haven't had a chance to see what that looks like with everyone healthy, with everyone playing. Um, so hopefully they can just stay healthy for the season, you know, run it back. They wanted Steve Nash there, so hopefully he can coach a little bit, you know, hopefully buy, <laughs> build their trust back, you know, say something on the sidelines rather than stand there with that look. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I want to see what they can do. I want to see if they can make some noise in the East and maybe make a run on a ship. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So I think I agree with you. Um, I want them to be successful as well, too. And obviously it could be one of those things where, you know, he's playing and then we look up, it's the, the NBA, you know, trade deadline. And maybe he does get traded and whatnot as well, too. Do you think there could be a possibility where he gets traded by then, him and Kyrie? Because Kyrie's expiring contract. So if you lose him next year, if you don't resign him, you're losing him for nothing. Yeah. And obviously with KD, he seems unhappy to an extent. But I think in the grand scheme of things, he literally just wanted Kyrie to get re-signed. That's why he was kind of acting out and whatnot as well, too. Because yeah. the GM actually did a great job of putting talent around them. So I'm just like, you're a top dog. Kyrie's a top dog. And you got Ben Simmons with those role players. You guys can make a deep run. So do you see something where they actually make it work? Or there may be a trade looming in the future? Um, I think right now, I think this is probably the worst it's going to get in terms of everyone. Like, I want to be traded. Like, Kyrie is like, I want out. Kevin Durant wanted out. Who knows what Ben Simmons is doing? <laughs> I don't even know if he plays basketball anymore. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I I wanted. I think I could work it out. Um, I think the biggest thing is Kevin Durant doesn't want to get stuck for a third year in a row putting the whole team on his back when mm -hmm. it comes down to crunch time. I mean, he's you see kind of the toll that it takes. I mean, LeBron's able to do it, but LeBron's LeBron. You know, I think Kevin Durant uh, 
great player, one of the best offensively, probably the best offensive player in the league right now. But I just think he's like, hey, when it comes down to it, we don't have the defense we needed. We didn't have the role players like you said they do now. And I think that if they have two other stars alongside him, um, I think he's like, hey, I'm ready for that, but I want everyone committed. It's either everyone committed or I'm out. Mm-hmm. Think, so. Yeah, he's about to be 34. He yeah. got t- by the time he'll eventually catch up and whatnot. So um, we'll we'll see what happens. So I guess my last question before we leave this topic is, I mean, obviously they're gonna have to find a way to gel. Like it's gonna take some time, and I kind of resort always back to, or resort rather always back to Miami's big three. Mm-hmm. How they kind of start off with like nine and eleven, then they finally took that stride and whatnot. Um, how do you see the Nets panning out this season, and what do you think their ceiling is? Man. Um, I see them probably, yeah, just because of the chemistry. I think Ben Simmons actually fits good. Um, when they first traded James Harden for Ben Simmons, I was hoping they got a healthy Ben Simmons so we could see him play. Thanks. Um, I just thought, you know, Kyrie's at his best when he's scoring. Um, Kevin Durant's at his best when he's scoring. If these guys have to be the facilita- facilitators too, you're taking away their best talent. So getting a guy like Ben Simmons who's going to play defense on the um, at the other end at a high level, and he's going to go down and doesn't care about scoring. I mean, he's passing up layups. But if <laughs> but if he's passing to Kyrie and KD, mm-hmm. you know, that's different than passing out to – who do he pass to? Thibel? Thibel, um, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's a little different there. They're probably going to make the shots. And I think that leads to, you know, KD having more big games. I mean, he's had a lot of big games. He's going to have big games. But if he doesn't have to worry about bringing the ball up under pressure, and he can just go get his spot in the post, get his fadeaways going. And Kyrie can just run spot up, more catch and shoot for him, as well as obviously taking off the – um, pick and roll and then what i want to see too is uh Kyrie with the ball and ben simmons setting pick and rolls i think that could be deadly i mean he's rolling he's either going to dunk it or find someone so yeah so you think ben simmons is going to play a combination of like that the five and i guess the point guard position point forward point, yeah, forward. point guard and some like three okay okay yeah that'll be interesting i can't wait till he gets back as well too um so some other breaking news is that dog that goon patrick beverly <laughs> got traded to your los angeles yeah. lakers for Taylor Horton Tucker. What are your thoughts on that? I, I thought that it was a great trade, but I kind of want to hear from you first. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think it's a good trade. I mean, at this point, you know, the Lakers wanted to invest in Horton Tucker, but they just don't have the time right now. You're trying to win. LeBron's, what, 36, 37? 37. Uh, 37. Yeah, and he's <laughs> still playing great, so you got to try to capitalize on that. The biggest thing they didn't have last year was any energy. No defense, no energy. So Patrick Beverly brings both of those things. And, like, leadership, too. I think Russell Westbrook's a guy that's going to go lead by example. He plays hard every game, no question about that. But is he able to, like, rally the troops? You know what I mean? Is he able to go to Austin Reeves and get him to go? And LeBron's kind of the same way. He's going to lead by example. But you don't see LeBron, too, in timeouts, like, hey, in these guys' faces, like, teaching and stuff like that all the time. Not saying he doesn't, but it's just that's not his type of leadership style. Where Patrick Beverly now fits that mold perfect. And I think he's going to have – the respect of guys like LeBron and stuff like that, too, that when they're not playing hard, or Anthony Davis, if he's jumping on them, too, they might get into it. You know, it's yeah. Patrick Beverly. Oh, yeah. But he's also going to, you know, inspire you or motivate you to go after it, too. Like, he's not going to be out there to BS. He's out there to win. So Yeah. Do you see him coming off the bench? Because now, like, he's kind of altered his game where he's literally a legit undersized 3-and-D player. Do you see him, like, coexisting with LeBron in that in that lineup or he comes off the bench and gets subbed out um I think initially probably coming off the bench I think if the Lakers could prefer that way um just doing that but I think that like you said it opens up that rotation where now maybe LeBron can move to more of the four especially if Anthony Davis is on the bench and then and then 
Beverly can play that backup point guard, which they did not have last year. Yeah. You know, they were looking for everything. Collison, Augustine, and like, <laughs> I mean, Austin Reeves was playing it at one point, but now they have a backup point guard who can control the pace of the game, you know, set the tone defensively. Okay, so now with Patrick Beverly being in the fold, where do you kind of see, if everything goes right, mm-hmm. so health is what's most important. Like you said, LeBron's 30. I don't know how to, 37 about to be 30. I don't know how the hell he's still doing yeah. this. We already know about street clothes. Um, but if they play at least 65 games, um, it's, it's, it's sad to say 65 yeah. games nowadays when it's an 82-game season. If they play majority of the games this season, knowing that the West is pretty, pretty crazy, how many games, not even how many games, where do you think they kind of finish at? Do you think they're a playoff team now? I do. I think worst case scenario, uh, I mean, it has to be playing game. <laughs> it's like, it's sad that I'm even saying that on a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis. But um, yeah, it's going to be just role players. How do they pan out? I mean, last year they went with the approach old guys with experience. Yeah. And I just think right now with how the NBA, the game plays, like that's not the best approach. So this year they went younger with three point mm-hmm. shooters. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, you know, that's more of what the game is. I think last year was just like, what are you, you know, what are you doing? There's times where you have no one that can shoot on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, teams are double teaming LeBron, just leaving shooters open. So, um, I think realistically like fifth seed four mm-hmm. or five. Um, okay. And, wow. And the thing is like, I think it could be higher. I think it could be lower. I think that's like an average, but you don't want to play them in like a seven game series. Like no mm-hmm. one wants to play LeBron in a seven game series. So even him getting a five seed is like. He, he could still get you to the finals. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So, do you actually compared to? Um, I can't even remember who's you who's you guys' coach last year, the last two years. Can't remember his name. Oh, uh, Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel. So obviously he's. It's like whenever you play with LeBron, like it's championship or bust <laughs> and whatnot. Obviously he won a ring for you guys his second yeah. year. Um, but what are your thoughts on 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 Darvin Ham? Um, do you think he's gonna get the best out of Russell Westbrook this year? Um, I th- I think he has like just new fresh uh, perspective, um, more of a relate in terms of a player he's played. He obviously played a lot of, a lot of years in the NBA too, so I think there's that. Um, I think Frank Vogel is a great X and O's guy. Um, I just don't, you know, you see him in the huddles. I don't know how he much. He, yeah, he c- doesn't command the respect, right? Yeah. That's that's kind of where I see him. I think that someone similar is like Doc Rivers. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully Darvin Ham can get like that kind of dog Russell Westbrook under so. control though, right? Like put yeah. him on a leash a little bit because <laughs> you know I, I love Russ. I just dog. it just doesn't match with what what they're trying to do with LeBron too. So hopefully he can make some tweaks to that. Um, Gary Payton Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, the way oh, you think of Scotty Pippen Jr. No, no Gary Payton. Gary Payton oh, Jr. He, on um, the Warriors when yeah. they made that title run. Yeah, Westbrook's a better player, but the way that they used him instead of in like picking setting the pick and rolls and rolling. Yeah. If they do that with like LeBron with the ball and Russ rolling, I think that can like open up some different uh, things and like some back cut. There was no motion last year either, so yeah. um, it's gonna be interesting. And I just hope that Russ has worked on the corner three, catch and shoot corner yeah, three. He doesn't need too. to be great at it, but he needs to be good enough to where people have to guard him. Yeah, because I mean, if he's a liability exactly. late into the game, that's why I think Patrick Beverly it mm-hmm. works well in that lineup as well too. And the last thing on this topic as well too, the elephant in the room. Apparently, from what we see, what what the media brings to us is the beef that they have, Russell Westbrook <laughs> and Patrick Beverly. Do you think they kind of put their pride aside, or you think there's going to always uh, be that little form of animosity there the whole time? I mean, there's always going to be the animosity, hopefully, like, a healthy level. Like, 
I mean, I'm just picturing practices right now with Russell Especially Westbrook. Bev getting on Bev Russ. just getting in him, yeah, in practice. So, which could be good, right? Like, it could yeah, push uh, Westbrook to, you know, perform at another level, kind of step his game up from last year. Um, hopefully they can put it aside because if they, you know, if the season goes in with this team, we need all the chemistry we can. There was no chemistry last year, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be interesting as well, too. And then a lot of people always say, like, all right, well, because they made this move to add in a vet like Patrick Beverly, that may be a possible trade that's going to be looming before training camp. So the trade that they were kind of talking about is with Indiana, with Miles Turner and Buddy Heald for Russell Westbrook. Their contracts pretty much match up. Would you keep Russell Westbrook if you're the GM slash coach or owner? Um, or do you try to, you know, get a little younger and, and really get even better fits for LeBron at yeah. this age in his career? I think, man, like I said, I love Russ, but I think just for the team makeup and how it is and how the league is right now, I think probably just if you can make that trade, make it. You're going to get Buddy Hilde, who's a guy that's going to shoot, you know, over 40% from three, um, can go off for 30-point games. Um, Miles Turner gets some rim protection, another big. So and he AD, stretches the floor too. He stretches the floor, and mm-hmm. also AD doesn't have to play five the whole time because we all know like he doesn't want to. Like, <laughs> just play the five and just dominate <laughs> at it. I don't know why that's a problem with it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would go for the trade. Yeah, I would go for the trade as well too. And the thing is, like, we play in the small ball era, so like the only like legit bigs he's going up against is probably with like Jared Allen, Rudy Gobert. Joel Embiid and Jokic. After that, it's that's it, pretty much that's why I'm like I don't know why he doesn't want to be a five. It, there's no better time to be an athletic, somewhat shooting five than right now. It's, yeah, yeah. that would make no sense. So NBA uh, schedule officially came out. My question for you is: Is there a matchup in particular um, out of all the games this year that you're most excited about, and what's that game? Yeah, just Lakers versus Clippers. <laughs> um, just because it's like, hey, if we're going to The promo rivalry that we all thought that was going to happen. Right, and it's been a letdown so far. Um, obviously, the Lakers got the ship. Clippers didn't. But, man, it's like I'm going to those every time, like battle, battle for L.A. I'm sitting on my couch, you know, with my LeBron jersey on. By the end of the game, I'm mad. I'm like, want to rip the jersey because like, they don't even show up. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that's just the biggest test. Like, hey, if you can't get up for the battle of L.A., like, we're getting swept by the Clippers again. It's just like late season. We're probably not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's got to be a better series. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I definitely want to check that one out. I'm definitely going to check that one out. I already told you about the little season pass I got. Mm-hmm. But I just want to see who's the biggest threat to the Warriors. So mm-hmm. I probably have to go with Clippers Warriors okay. as well, too, because yeah. I think those are the most complete teams in the Western Conference and probably complete teams in the NBA so outside of probably the Boston Celtics. So I definitely want to – Want to check that out as well too, and I want to I want to see how Kawhi is as well too, because they say when you tear your ACL, your lateral movement kind of goes away from you a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, so. a little bit. Um, you see him, he looks big now, bro. He, he looks like <laughs> Black Superman. <laughs> I thought he was going for the next Black Panther or something. <laughs> uh, what about you? You think the you think the Warriors are the team, the favorites? I mean, you got to give them their respect and whatnot as well too. Um, I think with Boston getting um. Going through that experience, all of them being there for the first time, and then adding some depth to the roster. I think they signed with Danilo Gallinari, and they also signed Malcolm Brogdon. Got the trade from Malcolm Brogdon. I have them being a threat, the Bucks being a threat, and then the Clippers being a threat. Outside of that, I don't really see any other team that's going to really fuck with them like that. But I think the team to beat, the formula to beat them, I think it's the Clippers. Okay, I think it's the Clippers. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I'm a little biased a little bit too. But but they got they got all the depth, and they got. 
they got all the guys like you would want in the Lakers. Like, hey, why didn't we go for Jones? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly. So. And that's why I don't like the idea of having these quote unquote super teams. Because now you what you have Kawhi and PG who are making max dollars. Then after that, you can literally just spend all of your money on high level role players, and then you get a buyout like a John Wall. Yeah. Well, you guys, you got three of you guys making forty seven million dollars each, so you have no money left over money. to get anybody that's just, somewhat decent. Just minimums and yeah. whoever you drafted, but they're all gone now. Yeah. <laughs> and I always think about like, damn, like you guys had what. Uh, Randall Ingram, Caruso, Kuzma, all them. You guys are basically what Memphis is now. That's what you guys should have been right now. Yo, that's actually crazy. I was just talking with my dad. So I went back to Utah this past weekend. We're driving to the airport and we're just talking NBA talk. And he said the same thing. He's like, I look at Memphis right now. And he's like, that's what the Lakers should be like. You know, obviously you take away the, the shit, but that's what you look like going forward for the next, you know, five to 10 years. And then you just said it. Now, now I'm mad. I'm <laughs> but I know I look back on that, and it's like obviously you got the ship. You can't take away a ship. It's there. It's history. Um, Disney Plus trophy. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. there's an asterisk. I <laughs> but um, hey, but with that asterisk, everyone was hooping in the the bubble. So Facts. I mean, the Lakers came through. Why was everyone else not there? You know. Uh, but yeah, man, that sad sad we traded everyone and we would have had a team where it's like you got 10 guys that we would have drafted that are that are really good mm-hmm. you know? i feel like it's human nature being in that environment from being little up until now you're always playing in front of fans so i mean i know you 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 didn't really you can't really relate to because you you didn't you didn't play during that time but you, do you think there was some players who like really really thrive off of the crowd's energy and that kind of didn't yeah that kind of affected their performance on the court oh yeah for sure um I think guys kind of like even like Giannis and stuff like that too, you know, where those power dunks he has, crazy dunks that normally the crowd would either be crazy or silent, just nothing, you know, no reaction. So you're like, that's weird, dunking in an open gym. Um, and I think that's why you see guys like Chris Middleton was really going off, TJ Warren. Bubble TJ. Because, I mean, these guys are looking like <laughs> – these are guys that you see and they don't really talk anyways, so they're just silent killers. So they're like, this is my environment. I'm back in an empty gym. You know, no one – it doesn't matter what the crowd's doing. Um, so it was just kind of funny to see that adjustment. Then you guys, you have guys like obviously LeBron, just LeBron. So LeBron's LeBron anywhere, mm-hmm. empty gym, in front of anyone, in front of Olympics, it's LeBron. So yeah, yeah, that that, that moment will, we will always remember that moment, like <laughs> 2020, right there, smack in the middle, Lakers getting the trophy, Brown Brown. Um, so we kind of talked about homegrown teams. One question I have for you is, if you're a GM slash owner, which route would you go? What do you think is better? What do you think is the most more, the most viable option in this era of the NBA? Building a team with the draft picks, um, kind of homegrown like uh-huh. the Memphis Grizzlies or like the Golden State Warriors, or kind of creating that that super that super team atmosphere where you're signing free agents or you're making these top tier trades, kind of like the KG era with the Celtics, what the Lakers did with AD, mm-hmm. what they're kind of doing with Kawhi and PG and the Clippers, um, and like the Brooklyn Nets as well too. Which route would you take? Oh man. Uh, you know, it kind of depends on the team and location. Uh, but if I had to just choose one, I would just go homegrown, just draft them. I mean, we're in an era where every year they're like, hey, the draft's kind of weak this year. And then what happens is these guys go play and they're really good because, mm-hmm. like I was talking about earlier, the skill gap. I mean, just the, I guess the ceiling of skills. Like, they're all pretty close to their ceiling, like going to the NBA. You kind of know who people are going to be, most part, going into the NBA. Um, so the fact of, like, hey, it's – maybe a little easier to draft now in terms of like, hey, you don't have to get the top three guys. Like the top 30 guys can come in and contribute, even if it's not a star player. You know, it can be a, a role player, like someone like Josh Hart and stuff like that. So all you got to do is hit 
and those like let's say a ten year span, you got to hit the lottery or the yeah the lottery ticket three times, maybe twice to three times, and then just build and can do your contracts and everything right, sign veterans, get some veteran leadership, and you can you can build a team like that. So. Yeah, because you're at least gonna have these players for what <coughs> at least five to six years as mm-hmm. well too. Um, when they sign that rookie extension as well, it just sucks because like no disrespect like who wants to stay in these smaller marketplaces like a portland like a like like port like utah you yeah they like say it's hard so you really have to look up in the draft as well too uh, i mean to answer your question i would probably take your route where we kind of draft and then just try your best you, we've seen what happened with the san antonio spurs um tanking then you just you know luck up and whatnot get a strong culture in there as well too but if you have a chance to get someone definitely go get someone as well too oh, but yeah. i feel like a lot of these small market teams if you don't have that homegrown star, you're only going to get like a – you get like an all-star caliber player, maybe like a Bradley Beal or like a Drew Holiday, but you're never going to get that dog that wants to come play um, in those cities that are kind of named as well too. So that's always something interesting and always something I think about. Yeah. Um, another question I have for you, just want to throw a couple out there since it's still a little dry in the NBA season. Yeah. Um, with it being a small ball era – I'm curious with your opinions, like how do you see Rudy Gobert and and Carl Anthony Towns kind of working in tandem this upcoming season? What are your expectations for um, the yeah. their, their team, the Minnesota Timberwolves? Um, yeah, I think I think team expectations they were scary last year. Um, I was I was looking at them in the playoffs, like should be no, Memphis. Yeah, they should have honestly. <laughs> and none of their games come on TV, so you can't watch them. That's why they're even scarier. Because then all of a sudden you're like, okay, Anthony Edwards is legit. They got DeAndre Russell, should have been on the Lakers still, but oh, you know shit. he's a solid point guard. He's not – I don't think he's the hype that everyone thought he was going to be. Um, he's still loading, deloading, still mm-hmm. leading, still loading. But, uh, you know, Carl Anthony Towns has become probably the best big man shooter, and he's also athletic, can take out the dribble, a good defender. Um, then they just added Gobert, like you're saying. So now you have that rim presence, maybe that, you know, just rebounder inside that's going to go after every rebound, try to block everything. Um, them playing together, I think it works because Carlton Towns can spread the floor so well. Um, and then I think what it also does is to late game, if teams are trying to pick and roll Rudy Gobert like they do to pick on him, um, now you can just move Cat to the five. And if Gobert has to go to the bench, you, know, you, didn't, you didn't lose any size. You're still bigger than most teams out there. Um, so I think it'll be a little bit interesting trying to get them to fit initially. But I think what's going to be is Cat shooting a lot more threes start the game and then as Gobert like subs out then they'll move him just into the post mm, interesting to think a guy that's making the super max is signing up like yo if you getting picked on you know you're making like 47 million a year you're gonna be on the bench like that's kind of crazy yeah. but you got that bread so yeah, yeah. um that's pretty interesting and I, and one thing I've always I was always curious about was like with Rudy Gobert's frame and how he's just the defensive prowess it's just weird how like we never see him take that next leap to expand this game as well too because I, I i thought with how the league's going he was going to be a guy that even you see with eight now he's having a little you know a little mid-range jumper and whatnot or sometimes with the corner three and whatnot so i guess my question for you is like what's your what's your opinion on players working on skills in the offseason when they're kind of not asked to as role players on their team yeah um <clears throat> i think you have to um i mean if you're fine with being pigeonholed into your role <laughs> And never being more, like just 
be great at your role, but like, do you think these start to interject? Do you think these coaches are going to these players, their trainers are going to these players and like, all right, hey, this is what I want you to work on this offseason. Like, I don't want you to expand on anything. Just mm-hmm. play your role to a T. I think um, to some extent, I think I, I think it happens a little bit, but I think that, you know, it, it could also just be a, a system fit. You mm-hmm. see a guy, I mean, like Carlton Towns, for example, when he was at Kentucky, I mean, like gets the NBA, like why are you outside the three point line? Oh, he shoots forty percent. You know mm-hmm. he's winning three point contests, but that's just not what he was asked to play. So where I'm going with that is like Gobert. I don't know because we haven't seen it. But <laughs> hey, what if he goes to Minnesota and they allow him to shoot a fifteen foot jump shot? What if he can? Um, we don't know. Um, but I guess going back to just you as a player, your goal every off season is just like, hey, what am I? What are my weaknesses? What are my strengths? Let me just sharpen my strengths a little more, but also just. I have to at one of my weaknesses I have to get better at it. Um I think what's worse than guys working on something more is guys that don't expand their game. Yeah. So a Rudy Gobert like we haven't seen him do anything. Can he can he make a hook shot? I don't know. Can Ben Simmons shoot a 15 foot jumper like you've been in the league for what 6 years now like that's, that's or a free throw, you know what I mean? So yeah. so my question is like not why are they working on stuff they're not going to use why are they not working on stuff that they just should get better at? Because like it's it's mental, and then it's also just work ethic too. Yeah, and then that just gets exposed and and sh- it gets shown up in, in in the playoffs as well too. They exploit your weaknesses as well. Yeah. So last topic of the day I have for you that's not really on our itinerary, but you've you know we're around the same age, so you've seen you know different eras of basketball. Um, what is your favorite era? The, the shooting small ball era, the positionless era, um, or kind of like that old school early 2000s up until like 2009, 2010 era? Yeah. Um, me personally, probably more now shooting positionless just because that's kind of what I was. Yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, I grew up just shooting, and then it was like, and I was like, oh, you're one. And then it was like I got to college, and I go, like, oh, now you're a two. And then I got further into college, I kept growing. Now you're three, now you're four. I played some five at D1 level, yes. which is crazy. So to me, it's like, hey, if you can play every position and know how to contribute to your team at that position, go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also, too, it just it's cool to be able to see. I think now is a time where we can see the skill of the offensive players the most, too, because like you're not throwing it to Shaq every time. Like Obviously, <laughs> Shaq's in there to give him the ball. But Thanks. But we're not running it through like a big stiff guy in the post and we're not saying, hey, it's got to touch the post twice and then a kick out three. It's just like, hey, let's just go hoop. Now there's space everywhere. Mm-hmm. You see now defensive guys like your guy Kawhi and everything, Giannis. Now you're really seeing what they can do in floor space because now they're having to guard multiple positions. Thanks. Um, so it's leading to more transition dunks. They need to get rid of the take foul. Mm-hmm. They have to get rid of the take <laughs> foul because I'm like, hey, as an NBA fan, it's frustrating when you get someone like even LeBron out there, Paul George, we've seen what he can do. Um, Anthony Edwards, you get him on a break, Duh. and then you're like, oh, and then he gets fouled. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? But um, no, I think this era is my, is my favorite. Yeah. Uh, what, what about you? No, nah, I have to agree. You literally, yeah, the, the yeah, the spacing was bad back in the day. Like I was watching uh, the Spurs versus Pistons game seven the other day. I think they only scored like seventy points. <laughs> I was I, like, what? I, I know like, which one you're talking <laughs> about too. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? But. Yeah, I definitely uh, love the pacing, the speed, um, everything in the game, honestly. So I wouldn't change a thing. So shout out to Steph Curry for literally changing the game, right. which is ridiculous um, as well, too. So that was episode 118. Any any closing remarks? Um, no, biggest thing is no, I appreciate you guys having me on here. Um, love the show. Just love that you're talking about these topics. Um, appreciate being on here. and That's the biggest thing. I love – I like the, the – 
sweater too. Yeah, yes, sir. We, we got some new merch on the way, so I definitely, okay. I'll definitely hit you up about that pretty soon. Yeah, let me know. I'm a cop one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Grayson Moore. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. That was episode 118 of the Caesar Show. Make sure to subscribe on all forms of social media at the Caesar Show at Sir Caesar's. We out.